Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 190 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Luke chapter 9 today and our focus is on is everybody who comes to Jesus and claims his name a saved Christian? Well, it's a long chapter today, so I don't have a whole lot of time for intro. Do please let me point you to our website, though, Bible2021.com. Check it out to subscribe and find show notes and to share with your friends. Something unusual happens in today's passage. Several people come to Jesus, and rather than fully welcome them with open arms, he challenges them. One man declares his intention to follow Jesus, and Jesus tells him that he basically is homeless, that Jesus has no place to lay his head, apparently implying that following him would be difficult. Jesus calls another man to follow him, and when that man balks because of the impending funeral of his father, Jesus tells the man to let the dead bury their own dead, and you come spread the kingdom of God. Finally, another man says he wants to follow Jesus, but he needs to go and say goodbye to the people in his house. And Jesus tells that man that anybody who puts his hand to the plow of doing God's work and then turns back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. So what gives here? Why is Jesus being seemingly harsh? Why is he not more welcoming to these people that seem to want to follow him? You know, normally Jesus is quite welcoming to people, to uh, those who are not Jewish, to those who are um, uh prostitutes and tax collectors and blame and uh, blind and lepers and and lame people and that sort of thing uh widows and orphans but and children even normally Jesus is terrible is like incredibly welcoming to people but not so much in this case what's going on and what is Jesus teaching us well here's Spurgeon with some insight into that question like our lord we meet with many people who are great at resolving things they say i will do that i will do that solemnly i declare that i will they are willing to make that declaration as publicly as you like and stand up or fall down or anything else to declare that they have made a resolve I frequently hear persons exhorted to give their hearts to Christ, which is a very proper exhortation, but that is not the good news. Salvation comes from something that Christ gives you, not something that you give to Christ. The giving of your heart to Christ follows after the receiving from Christ of eternal life by faith. It is easy to work our friends up so that they say, we will give our hearts to Christ, but They may never do so, after all, if with a broken heart and a contrite sigh, though, they have confessed their guilt and patiently cried, God be merciful to me, a sinner, they might not have looked quite so well, but there would be much more hope for them. We cannot come to Christ unless Christ comes to us and gives us a broken heart and a contrite spirit. If there is no repentance, depend upon it that the faith which we think we have is not the faith which will save us. Give me faith with tears in her eyes. I know her to be a true child of God. The faith that makes me feel my ruin, confess my sin, and lay hold of eternal life, because otherwise my merits will bring me to eternal death. This is the faith which saves. But some people are very great at resolving rather than actually repenting and believing. These people show generally great confidence in themselves, talking about the people that came to Jesus. One man said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. 
There's no prayer. There's no, Lord, help me to follow you or hold me up and I will be safe or leave me not or I'll wander from you. But it's just this. I've made up my mind to do this and I'm a strong-minded person and able to carry out what I determine, Lord. I will follow you wherever you go. Well, that is our duty, but that duty we shall never attain apart from divine help. He that trusteth in his own heart, says the word, is what? A convert? No, a fool. A fool is another name for a sinner. Go, write it on water, and return tomorrow to read the phrase that you wrote on water, and when you've done that, then you can trust your own determinations. Go and say that you will pluck the moon out of her orbit, or you will stay the sun in his blaze at midday, and when you've done those things, you can maybe so control yourself so as to be ever faithful to the Lord without his help. I would hope I would have you deal, says Spurgeon, far more in confession than in resolving, much more in believing than in bearing testimony to anything you have done for yourself or hope to do yourself or resolve to do yourself. Well, so that that's some interesting words there from Spurgeon. One of the things Spurgeon did in his ministry very often is talk about professors, not as in the professor in Marianne, as in a professor at a school, but somebody who claimed with their lips to be a Christian, but was not a Christian by their actions and their um, lack of fruit and that sort of thing. And I think that's what's going on here. I think these people are professing to follow Jesus, but by their actions and by their words, Jesus is, and really more beyond that, discerning their heart, Jesus is seeing in them that they are not legitimately coming to him in a saved sort of way. Showing great confidence in themselves is the very opposite of what our declaration should be when coming to Christ. Rather than trusting our decisions and our resolve and our resolution is to save us, I much prefer the declaration of that great and hopeful song, All I Have is Christ by Jordan Coughlin, which says, I once was lost in darkest night. I thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. Well, amen to that. Let's read our passage. It's a long one, but a good one. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Summoning the twelve, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for the road, he told them. No staff, no traveling bag, no bread, no money, and don't take an extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. If they do not welcome you when you leave that town... Shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on, and he was perplexed because some said that John had been raised from the dead. Some said that Elijah had appeared, and others that one of the ancient prophets had arisen. I beheaded John, Herod said, but who is this I hear such things about? And he wanted to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. Late in the day, the twelve approached and said to him, Send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we're in a deserted place here. You give them something to eat, he told them. We have no more than five loaves and two fish, they said, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for about 5,000 men were there. 
Then he told his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did what he said and had them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. While he was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others that one of the ancient prophets has come back. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. But he strictly warned them and instructed them to tell this to no one, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised the third day. Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after this conversation, he took along Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and those who were with him were in a deep sleep, and when they had become fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who were standing with him. As the two men were departing from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them, and they became afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent and at that time told no one what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd cried out, "'Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, because he's my only child. A spirit seizes him. Suddenly he shrieks and throws himself into convulsions until he foams at the mouth, severely bruising him. It scarcely ever leaves him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't.' Jesus replied, "'You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here.' As the boy was still approaching, the demon knocked him down and threw him into severe convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all astonished at the greatness of God. While everyone was amazed at all the things he was doing, he told his disciples, "'Let these words sink in.' The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this statement. It was concealed from them so that they could not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among them about who was the greatest of them, but Jesus, knowing their inner thoughts, took a little child and had him stand next to him, and he told them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. For whoever is least among you, this one is great." And John responded, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow us. 
Don't stop him, Jesus told him, because whoever is not against you is for you. When the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to a journey to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of himself, and on the way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him, but they did not welcome him because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? But... He turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. As they were traveling along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus told him, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. Lord, he said, "Uh, First let me go bury my father. But he told him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, strong words from Jesus there. Let us close with our Bible memory verse for the month of July, which is Luke six forty-seven through 48. Jesus said, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. And it was well built because that house was built on the words and teachings and commands of Jesus. May our lives be built on that as well. Good day to you and Godspeed.